Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now we want to chat about uh, something that uh, came up on the show yesterday. What stood out was actually that they do have a good understanding of what consent is and what stops and what helps consent. So it was a survey that was conducted over five different schools and um, the headline that you quoted that one in five boys do not agree that sexual consent is necessary comes from the, the, the data which says 75% of them did agree, right? 21% of the boys were neutral about that. So they didn't know either way. They were saying, I'm not sure. And only 3% didn't agree. So, and then when you look at the feet, the girls, 93% of them agreed, 6% of them were neutral, and 1% of them didn't agree. So, in fact, the majority of young people do understand that consent is important. But what comes out of it when they look at real-life stories and realistic stories they get involved in, you know, well, it was that consenting, wasn't it consenting? And that becomes very interesting. And then it's about discussing with them, okay, so what could make that situation more consenting? And it always comes down to the fact that it needs to be clear communication, that people are clear that that they're both on the same page, that they understand what they're doing, and that they agree. So we go back to the whole thing of consent is OMFG, ongoing, mutual, and freely given. That was Dr. Siobhan O'Higgins, Active Consent Programme Team Lead uh, with NUIG, about that research around teens and consent. She was chatting to us yesterday on the show, and we want to expand on that a little bit more now. We've got uh, various contributors to do that, uh, beginning uh, with Caleb Hederman, who is an 18-year-old and has chatted to us on various subjects on the show over the last few months. Good morning to you, Hi, Joe. Thanks very much for having me on. So what do you make of this? I mean, as Siobhan was pointing out there, some of the headlines exaggerated the impact of uh, uh, one of the findings. But in general, it does come down to understandings of consent. Yes. So first of all, I have to give a major credit to that team in NUIG, Siobhan and Active Consent. The work has been brilliant. I've been following it on, on social media. But I think the, the statistics does speak for themselves. It's, it's quite interesting to see, but... I think it is obviously the the headline has has been focused in on like um, Joe, you know yourself. Like I just finished my leave insert, and the education that I received surrounding um, sexual consent and relationships and sexual education hasn't hasn't been ad- adequate. So to see figures like that wasn't, wasn't surprising at all. So you've just finished. We're talking about twenty twenty one, as modern and up to date as you can get. Yeah, and you weren't happy. No, so I, I actually took a look into it because I was involved with the student council and I was interested in actually what the department were, were teaching students and was put forward and like the course and the curriculum that's at the moment out there for teachers to use is from 1999. Um, and it was reviewed back in 2018 by Joe McHugh, who's TD and he was Minister for Education at the time by the NCCA. And they did a large work similar to what Active Consent did with students um, but more focusing in on the education that they received. Um, and it was clear across the board that it just wasn't adequate, that it was, um, there wasn't a, you know, let's say a designated time for, for anything. It was, a, there wasn't a trained professional, it was a teacher, or in most cases, a religion teacher who would be facilitating the conversation. There'd be, um, there wouldn't be much time to go over the topics that it'd just be a straight like a straight kind of presentation and there'd be no time to understand it and I suppose in my personal experience like it's during 
my my relationships in sexual education in school would have been during the designated religion time, facilitated by or taught by a religion teacher, um, and it was very rushed. Like it was just a, a, a kind of a tick the box exercise. So it's 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 quite hard for anyone to get their head around such important topics. Like so. I presume there is a connection between sex and relationships and religion. But in the world in which we live in now, you might think, is it the dominant factor and therefore is it appropriate for it to be taught in a religion class? I I don't feel it's appropriate to be taught in a religion class. I I think as an Irish society, we've definitely moved forward and there's been a lot of um, changes over the last last couple of years. If we look at it um, in terms of marriage equality, um, if we look at it in terms of abortion rights um, and, and, and things like that, that I think there, there should definitely be a, a differentiation and a separation between religion and, and sexual education. Yeah. We're chatting to Caelan Hederman, who's 18 year old and just uh, finished the Leaving Cert, so he has very direct experience uh, of how uh, sex and sexuality is taught at second level. Um, Niamh is 18 years old and she is on the line as well. Good morning to you, Niamh. Good morning, Joe. How are you? So what are your thoughts on this, uh, not only the research, but also the points that Caelan has been making about his direct experience? Well, like, I am the exact same. I just finished my leaving cert there in June, so I'm literally just out of it as well. And, like, I can't agree anymore. Like, I was the same. And to be fair, I think I was actually quite lucky. Then our religion teacher was quite open, would, would, like, spend a lot of time talking to us about that kind of stuff. But still as well, it was kind of like, the end of sixth year, it was really rushed, like at the end of the year, and that was in most years, not even just in sixth year, you know. And um, I felt like even on the topic of consent, a lot of people were just showing like maybe like a two minute YouTube video, and that was it. Like that was kind of the end of the conversation. There was no more done on it. Like so, it was really I, I, rushed. I mean, did you feel that there wasn't sufficient training for religion teachers who were expected to teach this? Or was there a reluctance to get into it in any depth with students? I think it's a bit of both, to be honest, because like when you're taught to be, when you're trained to be a religion teacher, obviously maybe some of them don't know that like this is a part of the job. And a lot of them I felt was like re- like they have their own like their own syllabus book, and like it's reading straight from the book. Like I think they need to at least maybe bring someone in or have people specifically trained to come into schools and actually tell students about it that are like not experts, but obviously that's what they do they talk about because I don't think it should be in a religion class either. I think there should be a designated time in the, in the timetable every year to say like, this is when we're doing our education class or RSE because like the religion teachers aren't properly qualified to sit down and do it. Like. Right, because I'm just trying to understand, I mean, how did it fit in the context of a religion class, Niamh? So I can definitely say for this year, so like, we'd be in religion and we'd be doing stuff way and like obviously then I think in my religion class we didn't specifically only do religion all the time we would do kind of different things but then we'd be told maybe the week before okay we're starting our five week RSA program like it would just kind of like it would just kind of slip into the thing but then some teachers would make sure it was fully scheduled they'd know it's the start of the year but I think some teachers would come in and they'd be like alright we're just starting RSA today like it was just kind of whenever the teacher felt it was time to do it they'd do it then like and Caleb, I mean, as I say, because you experienced the same thing that this was facilitated through religion class. I mean, was there sort of a banner headline around the fact that th- this is in a religious envelope or what? Well, I'd agree with what Neil said. And I, I wouldn't say that it was, I suppose, encapsulated in a religious envelope. I think, first of all, like it's, it's an incredibly hard job for a teacher to stand up in a group of, in front of a group of maybe 30 
um, 50, anywhere from 15 to 18 year olds and talk about different topics like, like sexual consent. Um, but it wasn't, um, like it, there was a, a clear distinction between sexual education and religion. Um, but I think there is a definitely, uh, I, I suppose... But, but maybe I, I mean, the practicalities of this, did they talk, for example, about sexual consent? Did they talk about condom and contraceptive use? Um, yes, I, I can't say that I, I remember any time that we spoke about sexual consent in class, but I, we did go through, I suppose, we definitely focused on probably the negatives of, of sexual education when it comes to sexually transmitted diseases, when it comes to contraception. Um, but there was very little around, I suppose. If we had, like Neil said, we had a video that we followed one time and it was... Um, I mean, I mean at, at, no, at no point, for example, was it said, you know, that it can be great crack? No. Well, no, that wasn't said at all. I, and I don't expect the teacher to say that. But, but, but in a way... Why not? I mean, there's an intimacy involved to it. But... Yeah, I, I, and that's what I was saying, is that, that there's, there's definitely negative connotation and a negative focus when it comes to RSC, which is religion and sexual education. There was kind of, it was always focusing on the negative and, and for a class that's supposed to educate and help young people understand and young students understand during the formative years of their life about right. these important topics and... that it was, it was, it was definitely... Uh, a difficult one to understand when it was rushed through. Okay. And, and Niamh, I mean, for you, you know, was it put in a joyful context? And what about the issue of consent? Um, I'm kind of the same as Caleb. Like, it was never, it was never, like, joyful. It was always kind of just, like, the the negative side of it. Like, they never really made, like, much of it. And like I said... And, well, and what, what do you mean by the negative side of it? Like, I, it was always, like, we were always told, like, obviously consent is really important we're obviously really always told that but there was never any like positive side to the whole like education like course but like what is the negative side if you see what I mean what were they saying like I suppose of like the STIs and like um, not using contraceptive I know it's really like important for us to know okay like if you're going to do it you have to please at least be like known that you can use contraceptive but there was never any like Positives. It was always like you were, if you're going to get pregnant, it's going to be like your life is going to end or anything like that. Okay. Like, it's, 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 your, your whole like, right. like well, well, let's, let's get down to relevance now. The good news for both of you is I'm not going to ask you personally, but I, I'm just going to say, <laughs> Neve, among yeah. your wider friend group, <laughs> <laughs> would most of the people sitting in that class have been sexually active? Oh, probably, yeah. I think so. But like, I think as well because like we're also coming in like I think people our age these days are a lot more like aware of it. Do you know I mean like we wouldn't have had to been taught in school? I think the school obviously are doing it because they have a a place to say it. But I think a lot of people in the class would have known already. Like do you know what I mean? Right, and Caleb, your group? Yeah, I'd agree, and I, I suppose just just to touch on that, like I I think with the the course at the minute, and I think what's great about what the group at Active Consent are doing is that. It's equipping young people with the skills and the knowledge and the understanding um, and the, the experience of actually being in a dialogue with someone to understand how to, you know, sexually consent in a way where everyone, where it's appropriate um, and everything else involved with the relationships and sexual education course. And the one at the minute in secondary schools that I was delivered anyway, and from the sounds of it, Neil was delivered as well, was quite static, very information-based. And not useful for students. And and were there recommendations around abstinence, for example? 
Um, no, not, not from what I remember. What about no. in your case, Niamh? No, not really, no. So there may have been an implicit acknowledgement that, you know, teenagers are sexually active in Ireland in 2021. Not all, but um, a proportion of them. Yes. Yeah. Right. Stay with us, Caelum Hederman, who is 18 years old, just done the Leaving Cert. Um, Neve is with us as well, similarly 18 years old and just finished the Leaving Cert. We have a couple of other people to chat to about this. And if you've got thoughts on it, WhatsApp or text 086-123-9595. Mind you, when we talk about this subject, and you know, maybe this is instructive about the way Irish people look at this uh, topic, um, there's generally silence. Um, I'm always pretty sure that it's not that people aren't listening, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to want to WhatsApp or text too much. <laughs> my school has been dubbed as the school you go to if you want to get pregnant. The amount of girls who are in my year alone who got pregnant and were quite young. And I feel that a lot of that might have been, you feel like you have no access to anything. Nobody's telling you where you can get stuff, you know, without mommy and daddy knowing. Because who, what child wants to go to mom and dad and be like, can you go to the shop and buy me a pack of condoms? Or can you go and take me to the doctor to get the pill or whatever? you felt that you kind of had, you were a bit lost. And even regards STDs and your sexual health, which is so important, you know, not just your mental health and your physical health, but you felt that like, okay, I know nothing. And I'm going to have to go on Google at home to figure out anything or where's the nearest clinic if you wanted to get tested or any of these things. You felt that you came out with less information than you went in with. I think what ends up happening then is that a lot of these conversations where they should be happening in a classroom where there's a teacher to moderate them and to come in and give factual information, instead of that happening, what's happening is students are standing around in, you know, the ca- in the cafe in the school or they're outside in the yard and they're having these conversations. And, you know, some of, some of the information is factual, but they're hearing it off their friends who don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of things. And th- then they're getting the wrong information as opposed to getting the right information in the classroom. Some young people chatting to us on a previous show on this topic and we've heard uh, some very recent um, reports there from Caelum Hederman and from Niamh, just finished the Leaving Cert, about the way that sex and consent and other things are or are not taught uh, at second level. Well, Olivia Tehan is from the Sexual Health Centre in Cork and she's been listening to our chat. Good morning to you, Olivia. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me on. How are you? What do you make of what we've heard there uh, from Caelum and Niamh? Um, Well, it's great to have them on and to hear from them. And I think it definitely rings true to um, a lot of the research that has been done. You know, young people want to have that education and they're not getting information on consent, on the importance of it and on how to actually put it into practice. You know, it's all well and good talking about um, how important consent is, but it's also like there's, the communication skills that are involved in that as well, you know, and people need to be taught that. It's something that, that can be learned and um, it's really, and, they, and research has shown that as well, that a lot of people are actually uncomfortable giving and receiving consent, asking for it and um, even knowing their own kind of boundaries and what they want and, and being able to communicate those and then asking someone else, you know, and I suppose that a factor in that as well is the kind of the belief that, that young people have around what their peers prioritise. Um, a lot of people have been shown to actually find consent to be very important, but then they'll believe that a lot of their peers wouldn't find it important. Right. But but are you telling me that you're not surprised, but are you shocked about what Caelum and Niamh have said? 
I, I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, like we're working with um, with young people a lot at the sexual health centre. So unfortunately, yes, it's not something that surprises me that they didn't um, receive the information that they needed um, around having healthy sexual relationships and how to navigate their own bodies and, and those experiences. So no, it's not surprising to me, unfortunately. And definitely the study that um, we're discussing, you know, it just it really does highlight again the need to focus on educating young people um, and giving them the skills that they need um, to navigate consent and to know when mm. something is happening that is crossing their boundaries, to be able to talk about that and to be able to ask questions. Right. I mean, Caelum, you know, uh, among younger people, is it still the way that guys are seen as the initiators of you know, sexual contact? They're certainly um, still... No, I, I just wanted Caelum to come back in on that. Sorry, Olivia. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, well, I, I I wouldn't say so. I th- I think we're we're living in a society now where where anyone has the the opportunity to to start a relationship as they feel so. But boy, that's like, no no. That sounds like a little bit of a politically correct answer. The first one you've given me is it the reality though? Um, well, in my experience, in my experience with my friends as well, it, it has. Um, it, it it there's no kind of set boundaries to it. Um, I think if someone's interested in someone else, there's, there's nothing stopping them from staring at and and generally. It's um, it's it's usually in social settings when 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 like in in that context that you're asking that that things might be initiated. So um, it, it there's been no clear distinction from, from my perspective of things seeing it. Right, and what about you, Niamh? Yeah, I'd say the same as well. Like it's always kind of from the boys' side that it would always kind of be like. In no, so you're like, saying it's always from the boys' side. Like I personally, from our experience. Okay, well, because you're not saying that, Caleb. You're saying the opposite. Yeah, well, I'd say that, that anyone can initiate it. Like, I, I, I wouldn't have seen any clear boundaries anywhere. Okay, but you have, Niamh. Yeah, I always would, like, say it. Like, obviously, you know, like, it is getting a bit more like it can be the girl as well, but I would usually say that, like, from my own, like, school around, like, it usually is the wife that would initiate it, like, Jimmy. And do you sense, Niamh, that there are, is a clear understanding of what consent is and how it um, should it, uh, be central to a relationship or even in um, uh, less than a relationship that initial contact yeah I think so like even I think a lot of the, the lads that were in my class had like a really good understanding of it like I mean so there was never like a thing of no one like didn't know like there was always they had a really good understanding of the place and consent in a relationship so like I will give like that they did really have a good understanding of it like I mean so it was it was never a problem that they didn't have that they weren't gonna like ask for consent because they always kind of knew like that and they always ventured to listen for that one. But I, I feel like it's always put down to boys like the boys that ask for consent, boys but they like I have to say for myself, like the boys that were in my class and that were in my ear always did like know about it, you know. Right, we also have Karen Sugro, who's a psychotherapist in Limerick uh, on the line. She's been listening um to this. Um I don't know, I, I, I think, Karen, some of this is pretty astonishing, to be honest, what we've heard over the last 20 minutes. Morning, Joe. Thanks very much for having me on. And uh, just to say thanks for, for giving this really important topic some some time for discussion. Um, I think that I, I loved what Caleb and Neve said. I think they're, um, it's, it's very heartening to hear young people so well able to discuss this issue. Um, but as to whether it's, shocking to hear this it's it's not shocking and I think I, I would pick up on what Olivia said it's unfortunately not surprising at all 
um, to look at these these figures. So, so the the report yesterday from the NUIG. Well, can I just say one thing, right? If if classes were not being taught properly in any other subject, parents would be banging the doors of schools down to demand it. So, yes. where are the parents in all of this? Well, I suppose we have to be realistic. The parents are people who grew up in Ireland in the 80s and 90s. And as one of those, Joe, I can tell you, there was no sex ed and there was certainly no discussion about consent. So parents don't have the language or the ability. Easy, isn't that to a pretty easy excuse for all of us now as parents? Well, Do you know what I mean? It sounds not, like something that, you know, we can kind of easily enough revert to and say, Ara, sure, that's the way we were growing up. I'm not yeah, disagreeing, I mean, but it, it, yeah, it's a fairly it's, simple way out of this. It's Well, you see, the thing is, it, this is not a simple question. And um, the, the issue of consent is extraordinarily difficult. And we have... But the point is, Ken, based, based on what Caleb uh, has said and what Neve have said, it seems that consent, they don't even seem to reach that point in sex education, that there are steps along the road to that that aren't mm-hmm. being met in the, in the uh, syllabus. Well, the syllabus the, should include consent training from junior infants, Joe, every single year up the line. Uh, age appropriate, but the thing about consent is it's not... It's not enough to start with discussions of sexual consent when the person is in their teens. We need to be talking about consent within relation to a person's body from the time that they're very, very small. So when we as parents and we as the adults talk about consent in the way that we're doing now, we have missed 15 years probably of opportunities to really engage the young person in the discussion about consent and to normalise asking for consent for everything to do with our bodies. So I absolutely agree with you. This is a massive, epic failure of the education system. But Joe, this is Ireland. We, how can we be surprised that young people don't understand about consent when the Irish state doesn't understand about consent or support consent for women in terms of bodily autonomy? So it's not surprising at all. And the education system, unfortunately, uh, reflects that. But it's really, really important that we take a step back and look at part of consent training comes from parents. Parents haven't been trained. Parents haven't been given these the workshops or the opportunity to uh, negotiate this. I am uh, a woman in my 40s. And there are a lot of things around consent that I would find very, very difficult. How can we possibly expect our young people to negotiate and explore consent when we as adults don't know how to do it? So there's a huge element to this, to this, this question of consent. And when we as parents work with our children and, and talk to our children and open discussions with our children about it, and as teachers, we're, we're giving them tools not just to keep themselves safe in relation to sex, but to keep themselves safe in relation to every kind of an environment that might feel unsafe. It might be to do with drink or drugs, driving, getting home safe, sex, bullying, all of those things, because how we negotiate our boundaries is how we keep safe. Right. Now, um, I, I want to bring Olivia back in for a second there course. as well. Uh, Olivia, I mean, do you think then that we're any closer to a sea change? When we talk to Leaving Cert students in five years' time, will we be having roughly the same dialogue as we've had with Caleb and Neve this morning? Well, I suppose 
what's important is how we respond to the research that's there, you know, and making sure that young people actually have access to the information that they need. That's the only way we're going to see a change. So, I mean, there's a lot of services that are available at the Sexual Health Centre. We're providing free services to young people and to parents, people who are trying to navigate that conversation, whether it's the young person themselves or someone who's trying to mentor them or educate them. Um, so that kind of stuff is really important. And I would just encourage people to, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. I know it can be scary kind of, uh, you know, maybe admitting that you don't know how to go about having that conversation. Um, but there are support services there for people and there are uh, educational services uh, there and we need those for, for, it, for any okay. change to happen. Well, well, let's just briefly ask Caleb and Niamh. Yeah. I mean, Caleb, do you think that we're closer to a sea change? Do you think your generation, when their parents, will be much more capable of having these discussions with their kids than our generation seems to be? I, I hope so. And I, I think... Like it's great now that we're we're recognising it back with the report back in 2018 and and this brilliant report as well from NUIG. I think, um, like I haven't got to experience third level yet, but from what I'm aware, that there's there's much more support there and there's much more open conversation around sexual well-being there in terms of access to support. Um, so I, I think we will be in the place in in the near future as long as we implement the changes, um, like like that that everyone else has said that have come up from the report. Niamh? I feel the exact same as Caleb. I think we are, like, slowly but surely, like, getting there. I think we will have a lot more, like, people will be a lot more comfortable, especially, like, if the newer generation of parents and children coming on, like, people will just, like, it'll know, a lot of even in schools be a lot more open at home and stuff. So I think, and with all the different resources, I think it will be so much easier and it'll be a lot better. All right. Well, listen, thank you to all four of you for participating in what I found a really fascinating, brilliant conversation on this subject. Thank you very much to Niamh, to Caelum Hederman, to Olivia Tehan from the Sexual Health Centre in Cork and to psychotherapist here in Limerick, Karen Sugru. This will, of course, be repeated tonight, but we will certainly be podcasting uh, all of it because I think there was a lot of very relevant information and chat in it. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.